Good morning, family, and a warm welcome. Today, we start with a new sermon series titled Under Pressure, taking us through the book of Colossians. Journey with us this month to be equipped to flourish under pressure. We're also celebrating spring. Join us by driving through the church premises straight after the service to collect an ice cream and wave hello. We look forward to seeing you. At 6 p.m. tonight, we're launching our very first Young Adult Big Zoom Connect. If you're between the ages of 18 and 35, dial in at 6 p.m. to be a part of the experience. Grab a coffee, find a comfy chair, and dial in. I hope to see you there. But for now, let's turn our attention to the Lord and worship together.
Yeah. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near.
Even in the storm, Lord, we will continue to praise you. You are our King. You are our Father. And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that owns on. There will be an end to these troubles. But until that day comes, Lord, still we will praise you. if we don't see it Lord we know that you're moving even if we don't feel it Lord we know that you are moving Lord you're always working you're always working you're always moving Lord yes Lord you're working Lord even if you don't see it even if you don't feel it he is working that's our God he never stops working he doesn't sleep no slumber that's our God even if I don't see it you're working and even if I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working and even when I don't see you're working and even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working and even if I don't see it you're working and even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working and even when I don't see it you're working and even when I
worship you, I worship you, and you are here, you're working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you're touching every heart, Lord, and you are here, you're touching every
Lord, we thank you that we can call upon your name in every moment, every season, every opportunity that we have. We can call upon your name and that you hear our call and that you come and you answer us when we call. And thank you, Lord, that not only do you hear us, that you answer us, but then you work and you make a way even where it seems to be impossible, Father. And I thank you that I can pray for every person that's joining us today in this service and just ask, Lord, that you will make a way where there seems to be no way. And we thank you for your grace and your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, it's such a great privilege for me to have you with us and to join with you. Right now, we're going to continue with our worship as we give our tithes and our offerings. I'm going to ask you to get ready as we do every Sunday. The details are on the screen. Just follow the prompts and give as the Lord has laid on your heart to give. Well, it's again, it's my privilege to share the word with you. And we're starting a new series that's going to run for the month of September. And the title of our series is Under Pressure. Recently, I asked a couple of people just to tell us where they are experiencing pressure in their life. What is putting stress or pressure on them right now? Perhaps if they think about the future. And these are some of the responses that we got. That stresses me out is not seeing my friends and my tests. If I fail it, I might not get good marks. So what makes me feel pressure or stress is anything that threatens my family or my children. What makes me feel pressure and stress is the uncertainty around what I'll be doing after matric. What gives me stress in this season of my life is just I'm at a sink or swim stage and um, chasing my dreams, making it happen. I think if, if any stress comes along my path, I try and focus it back to the Holy Spirit because in, in His Word it says, be anxious for nothing. 
I think you'll all agree with me that there's lots of pressure that is building in the world right now. That I don't think there's a person that is not experiencing growing pressure in their lives. Whether that's pressure that people are experiencing that are just trying to feed their families or the pressure that a businessman has uh, due to just how the economy is impacting our, our livelihoods at this time or people's income or health pressure that there is or, or pressure of what the future holds. All of us are trying to figure out now what is the world going to be like and how do I position myself the best for that? The matriculant at the moment that has to think now what is going to happen after school? There's pressure on them right now because they don't know when they're going to get their results exactly and what's going to happen next year with studies. We're all having to adapt and change to the world as it's changing and in our nation there's particular challenges that we are facing and I can name many of them but perhaps you can think in your own life what is it that's adding stress and pressure to your life? We are under pressure. Over these next four weeks, that's what I'm going to talk about. And, uh, and, and we're going to talk about Neil and Letzolo is also going to be sharing some of the messages. And we're going to take a, a walk through the book of Colossians and talk about being under pressure. Because it's not new. COVID-19 may be a pretty unique situation that we're experiencing right now. And the pressure that that brings into our lives. But it's been for all centuries and all times that people have been under pressure. And uh, in Colossians, we, we encounter a situation in the book of Colossians, the epistle that Paul wrote, of a people that are also experiencing a time of pressure. The, the reason they were experiencing a time of pressure is what was going on in their context and in their environment related to the city where they were living or the town by the time we encounter it called Colossae. Now, Colossae uh, was a very hip and happening, great city at a stage. About 600 before Christ, it became a, a really established city uh, because it was on a major trade route in the Lysus Valley, uh, which today is in the area of, of north, or southwest Turkey. Uh, you'll see a map there that we've got that'll tell you where it is. In that area, Colossae was on a major trade route through that part that linked a couple of the major cities in that area in Asia Minor, and therefore it was a town that was growing and developing to soon become a city. It was also a city that was well known for this, the wool that they produced with a particular dark red purple coloring that they gave it. And uh, that spread all over the world and they were world renowned as a city for this wool that they produced. So it, it was a, a great place to live. There was opportunity, things were happening. They were a city on the up. Until about 100 before Christ, uh, the, the city of Laodicea started growing and developing, and uh, the route was actually changed, much like we would have experienced in our own country, where suddenly a highway gets changed, and instead of passing through a, uh, or a major route that passed through a town, it now bypasses the town, and they build a new highway, and, and suddenly the, the business opportunities in the town dry up. That happened with Colossae. The, the route was moved, and it went through Laodicea, and Laodicea started growing and becoming the major city and, and, and business hub in the area and from that time this, this, this city of Colossae was declining and by the time we read about it and get to know it a bit more it's actually not a city anymore even it's a town now and then in about 17 after Christ's birth there was an earthquake in that area that affected a lot of the towns and cities of that area even Laodicea, Hierapolis and Colossae but because Colossae was a city in decline they didn't handle the, the, the aftermath of the the, the earthquake so well and they couldn't rebuild so well and so Laodicea even strengthened after that but this this city was consistently in decline and actually uh, a little bit after the letter of Paul was written to Colossae there was another earthquake and it finally almost wiped out that town so this was a town 
that was under pressure. They were under pressure because of the decline of the economy, because there were less opportunities, and just what was going on in that environment. It was also a town that was under pressure because of just some of the things that were going on in the thought patterns of the people of the day. So here we encounter not only a, a town or a city, a place that's under pressure, but also a church that is under pressure. This church was under pressure because they were being exposed to a growing false teachings that were traveling through the area and also some, some people that were trying to call them back to their old ways and to the rituals and traditions of their Jewish life. Uh, even though they have now moved on to put their faith in Christ, people were saying, no, they have to go back to the traditions and the, and the laws of the Jews. And all of this was going on. So here we find a, a, a church in a town that is under pressure, under the pressure of a declining environment, under the pressure of teachings and philosophies and doctrines that they were getting exposed to, and they were having to deal with it. Now, just another little fact about the, the, the church of Colossae is that they were a church that was not planted by Paul. Uh, Paul was based in Ephesus in that area for about two years and uh, planted many churches, but this church he didn't personally plant. Epaphras was, was possibly a disciple of Paul, somebody that was sent out by Paul even maybe, but he went and planted this church. So Paul's never been there. He didn't know the people of Colossae. He didn't have a personal relationship with them, <clears throat> but he was hearing about these people and their faith and the strength of their faith. And that despite the pressure that they were under, they were actually beginning, when being known in, in, by the disciples as people that are excelling in their faith. So they were like, a, like a, a, an instrument that was being pulled back and the tautness of the string that they were experiencing. But instead of caving to the pressure, they were producing a sound that was being heard in the community of the church in that area, and people were commenting about it. So Paul uh, is writing to them, and he wants to encourage them and, and recognize the excellency of their faith. And that's why we read uh, in, um, in Colossians, he begins in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, uh, and he says the following, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has, for, of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. So Paul is saying to them, since you've heard the, the good news, you have remained steadfast in it, despite the pressure that you are under, despite all of you having to try and figure out, should I stay in Colossae? Should I move? What's happening? How do I adapt to life? What does the future hold for me? Um, what is the truth that I must base my life on? What will best position me? Must I believe this or must I believe that? Doesn't that sound like our day? There's so much stuff going around at the moment, and we're all trying to figure out what is the best for the future? How do I position myself for the future? What is the truth? I mean, who knew that we would live in a day where it's so difficult to determine what truth really is? What is truth? What can I believe? There's so much fake news, and, and, and it's important to know what truth is, because if you know what truth is, you know how to respond and how to position yourself for the future. But even that adds pressure to our lives now. How do I know what truth is? And I'm under pressure to figure out what is right and what is not right and what is believable and what is not believable. And these people were in a similar situation. But Paul says, ever since you began to believe in Jesus, you have held fast to your faith. And he mentions these three little words that he often builds into his writings, faith, hope, and love. And he says here about them, he says, we've heard of your faith 
and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope. Uh, Lightfoot, the commentator, says that faith speaks about the past. Faith is that we have received the faithfulness of God in the past. Love is the present activity of our lives, and hope addresses the future. Paul is saying to these people that you have done well in holding on to the faith that you have received. You are continuing to show your love because of that faith, even though you are under pressure. And despite all the uncertainty, you still have a hope for the future, and you are holding to that hope. He's saying to them, you guys have done well despite the pressure that you are under. And uh, when he writes the book of Colossae, he is therefore picking up on that. And what he's tr really trying to do in the book is trying to keep these people strengthened and help them to keep going in their faith. What they've done up until that point has worked has stabilized them, has kept them strong despite the environment that is declining. He says, and I want to encourage you to keep going, keep standing strong in your faith. Interesting that Paul writes to these people and many of the commentators say, this is the epistle that is written to the least significant church that was around in that area. This wasn't a strategic town. This wasn't a town that had any great importance. This wasn't a church that was like the center church that was a, you know, a church that was going to really breakthrough into new areas. But because these people's faith was so excellent, Paul writes to them and he says, I want you to stay strong and I want you to, to move to the future with strength and keep your faith intact. And when he writes to the, to the Colossians, it's always great to, when you read an epistle or a, or a book, to figure out what is the, the central theme or the central verse of that book. And in Colossians, the central verse of the book of Colossians is this. Colossians 2 verse 9 to the first part of verse 10. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. Why this is the central theme is when Paul is saying to them, you've done well in your faith, you've stayed excellent in your faith under pressure. I want you to remember this and I want to solidify this in your presence. I want you to have this in the forefront of your mind, this truth that I'm bringing you now. Because this truth is the, is the, the truth that will keep you standing strong and moving towards the future. Let me read it again. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and in him you have been made complete. A key word in that sentence is the word deity, to understand the word deity. The word deity, we sometimes think it's the same as the word divine, but it's not. The, the difference between being of deity and being having divinity is that deity is the essence of who God is. God is a deity. In, in other words, he is God. Whereas divinity is an attribute of being God. Because you're God, you have certain attributes. So the divinity is the attribute, deity is the essence. De deity is the core, uh, and uh, divinity is the expression or the fruit of that core. That's why we can even sometimes say of people that they have divine attributes. Because we were made in the image of God, God breathed life into us, our creativity or our, our lack, of, our ability to relate to each other, um, there is, it's a divine attribute that we sometimes display. So humans can display divine attributes, but humans can never be a deity. And when it comes to Jesus, Jesus is not just deity. He is the fullness of deity, Paul writes to us here. The complete package, the complete representation of what it means to be God. The power of God, the knowledge of God, the love of God. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus and then put in a bodily form so that we could see 
an experienced deity right here on earth. And that's very important. And not only that, that Jesus had that attribute and displayed that among us, but he says, and in him you have been made complete. The effect that that, that has had on our lives, that, that, Jesus, that Jesus, that we believe Jesus is the deity, the fullness of who God is on earth among us, and us encountering, believing that impacts our lives and makes our lives complete in that sense. Powerful, really powerful. And this is what Paul says to them. This is the foundation that when you're facing this uncertain world and the pressure that you're experiencing, that's what you have to put both your feet on and be secure in, that Jesus is is the is everything you need. You need nothing more than Jesus. He is the complete picture of the deity. And uh, then he carries on, and there's a, a word in Colossians that is a key word for us to understand that he brings out throughout Colossians. And it's a word that, that Paul sort of constructed himself. He often uses it in his writings. And it's, we interpret it in our English translations as knowledge. The Greek word is epinosis. And it's a, it's a word that is made up of two parts, epi and gnosis. Gnosis was the common words for common word of the day, to know something, to have knowledge. Epi is like the, a compound that put, gets put on top of it to make the knowledge more. And uh, if you translate that word, it's to have complete knowledge or fuller knowledge. To know something to its fullest. To not just be casually acquainted with something, but to really know something. And in Colossians 1, verse 9 to 10, Paul writes about this. So, so, and, and I'll link the two concepts now. Just listen to this verse. So he says, we have not stopped praying for you. Again, remember he said earlier, we're praying for you every time. Now he says, we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So he says to these Colossian people, he says... Despite the pressure that you're under, despite the environment around you, the decline, the, everything that's going on, if you have this knowledge, you will continue to thrive and do well. And I want to say to you today, that's why we're talking about this, that no matter what you're experiencing and the pressure that's on you and trying to figure out how do I do life at this point, how do I reposition my business, or uh, am I in the right employment, how do I get my income, uh, how do I deal with uh, the, just the declining economy, the health challenges that we may face, educational challenges, social challenges, there's a, there's a knowledge that we can have that despite all of that can cause us to stand firm and to excel and to be more fruitful. That's Paul, what Paul is saying. What is that knowledge? And that's the knowledge that goes back to the first verse that I just read for you. Of the fullness of the deity of Jesus in bodily form. That's what we must know. That we know that we know. The word epinosis. It, it, it also has a particular concept as the way Paul uses. That speaks about experiential knowledge. It's knowledge that I have because I have encountered something. Or I've begun to experience something. It's something that is not just knowledge because I've read about it. Um, it includes reading about it or have mental knowledge about something, but I've interacted. I've, I've begun to experience the effect of that in my life. Um, the, the, the Culverwell writes, for instance, he says that um, it, when we have epinosis, it is bringing me better acquainted with a thing I knew before, a more exact viewing of an object that I saw before afar off. So it's like 
When I, when I used to know something because I've seen it, I've observed it. Now I'm getting up close and personal and I'm starting to get to know that something. Um, epinosis is experiential knowledge. To personally encounter, observe or undergo something through a process. To have knowledge or practical wisdom gained from what, what one has observed and encountered and undergone. So Paul is saying to us, this is knowledge that we must have in a very experiential, very real way, encountering way that impacts our lives, that changes our lives. And if we have that knowledge, it is what will keep us thriving and going forward despite whatever the context and the challenges and it's the knowledge of what it's the knowledge of the fullness of the deity of Jesus that he is everything that we need the word interesting here also when he talks to them he's saying to them there's knowledge that you have but you must gain more knowledge about what you have your knowledge must become fuller so he's saying to them, guys, if you are struggling at this point in time, if you're uncertain, if, if life is putting pressure on you, you don't need new knowledge. You just need to go deeper in the knowledge you already have. Remember the Colossians were people known for their faith, hope, and love. He's saying to them, you, you've done well. That which you have, go deeper into it. That's why the title of today's message is Dig Deeper. Dig deeper into what you have received. Don't Go for new things. Don't try and add something new and think that the new knowledge is what's going to secure your future or position you better to deal with life. It is taking what you've already learned and digging deeper into it. Um, and remember, these Colossians were facing challenges with people that were telling them, no, 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 the knowledge that you have is great, but there's, there's deeper knowledge that you have to gain in terms of new things that you have to learn, new traditions, new um, philosophies that you have to learn. And these new things will help you be, be better positioned for the future. Paul says, no, what you need is to dig deeper in what you have. I think we all face those challenges today. There's lots of things coming at us, telling us, you need this in your life, or you need to know that, or you need this understanding, or you need this concept, you need this, this knowledge. If you have that, then the future will be secure, and then you'll do better in the future. You, you, you need this political um, understanding or positioning, or you need you know, this. Then, but I want to say to you today, in the words of Paul, dig deeper into the fullness of the deity of Jesus. That's where all of life springs from. That's where all of truth is based in. And we want to dig deeper. We want to go deeper into that. We, we're not going to be tossed to and throw by every wave of doctrine and every new thing that comes across our path. We're going to dig deeper. And even sometimes, you know, there's, there's well-meaning people that come along, very spiritual-sounding people, and, and wants to say, well, you know, if you, knew, if you have this new revelation, if you have this new level of understanding about about." you know, some biblical thing and the mysteries in the Bible. If you, if you have these things, then, then you'll do better as a Christian and that'll help you be a, a better Christian. I want to say to you, no, be careful of those things. Paul says, I, I, I preach nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. What makes us do this life well is knowing Jesus and going deeper into the fullness. And, and, and what, I, what that means in a sense for me is, Sometimes in my life, I, I love Jesus and I got to know Jesus early on in my life and I followed Jesus for you know, 40 years now. And, um, but you know, every year I learn something fuller. I learn how an area in my life is actually also covered by the love of Jesus. I always thought that Jesus didn't really care about that or doesn't really have something to say about that, that area of my life. If I need something, then, then I need to go elsewhere and, and just pray for Jesus to help me while I do that. But more and more I've learned that everything is in Jesus. 
And everything I need is in him. And, and more and more my knowledge of him is growing fuller and fuller as I experience his grace and his, as his truth in my life. Jesus is all we need. So I want to say to you, there's a, there's a book that was written, uh, and, and the title of the book is Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. I haven't read the book, but I thought the title was great. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's in a sense what Paul is saying. All we need is Jesus and to get to know more and more about Jesus. And that's the joy of being a disciple. A disciple is a person that has an experience with Christ, gets born again, becomes a new creation, and then spends their life getting to know Jesus more and more and how to live in the practically the reality of what it means to know Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I want to use an illustration. If we say Jesus is, is everything we need, it's, it's like a... A chain. And uh, one of the things we believe about Jesus is in that scripture that it says, you know, he's the fullness of God. That what that means is he's all powerful also. That he's, he's omnipotent. He has all the power. There's nothing stronger than Jesus. Remember last week we spoke about he's the highest authority. He has authority over nature. So if I can use this chain to represent the strength of Jesus. Um, and to say that Jesus' strength is complete. There's, there's nothing that, that is stronger than Jesus. But if I take this chain as, as strong as it is, and you know, I can't break this chain, and uh, you know, it's a strong thing. But if I think, well, this chain is not complete, there's something I need to add to it that'll make it complete. Whatever I take, if this chain, like Jesus, represents Jesus, that Jesus is the strongest, then anything else I add to Jesus is less than Jesus, is weaker than Jesus. So if I take this chain that represents the strength of Jesus and say, I'm going to complete this chain. I'm going to, I'm going to put something in here and I'm going to add something. And what, what I add is going to complete the chain. Now look, my chain's complete. Fantastic. Great. But how many of you know that as soon as I start putting pressure on this chain, where is it going to break? Where is it going to snap? Now, I trust I'm strong enough to do this. There we go. Oh, wow, that wasn't too bad. So when you put pressure on this, it breaks in the place of the weakest. That's why we often talk about the weakest link. So let, let me just say that again. If Jesus is omnipotent, he's the strongest. Anything you add to Jesus weakens, doesn't complete. So if I say, Jesus is everything I need. But then in, a, in an area of my life, I go, okay, but I need this also. And I add it to Jesus. That will become the place of weakness in my life. That when the pressure is on me, that's where the, the snap will happen. That's where the break will happen. That's why God deals with our idols and our other things that we try and add to the gospel so harshly sometimes, so severely, because it really weakens us. And this is what Paul is writing to the Colossians. He's saying, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Don't add anything to Jesus. It just weakens the whole situation experientially in your life. Nothing can weaken Jesus, but in the impact that it has in our lives. And there's three things that he wants them to remember about who Jesus is. And I briefly want to share these three things with you. So over these next four weeks, we're going to share about knowing Jesus fuller, as Paul puts it to the Colossians. There's three things that he wants us to dig deeper into. He wants us to dig deeper into three Three bits of knowledge, three things that we must understand, that we must dig deeper into, that we must get to know better and not just know, but know with our lives. Let it interact with our lives. Let it, let it transform us. Let it change us. That, that when we do something, that this truth will, will stand up and say, well, am I living in line with that truth? And if not, let me change and, and let this truth really fashion my life. There's three things. 
In Colossians 1 verse 15 to 16, Paul mentions this. He says, he is the creator and sustainer. The first thing I want us to, to highlight about the fullness of who Jesus is, is that he is the creator and sustainer. Let's read the verse. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. What an amazing thing to know and to be secure in the knowledge that there's nothing that exists without Jesus. He is the creator, the author, the beginner of everything. Now, we live in a fallen world, and, and what Jesus has created has been twisted and corrupted. But the very fact that it can exist is not outside of Christ. The verse here where it says, uh, he made things which we can see and which we can't see. I think that's so apt for our day. Coronavirus, we can't see, but what an impact it's had on our lives. We always used to fear the big things. Now we fear the little things. It's so small. We can't see it. But do you know that the fact that coronavirus can exist is because Jesus exists. So this is not something that falls outside of the scope of something that we can come to Jesus to and say, how do we deal with this, Lord? How do we deal with this virus that we can't see other than by some very strong microscope? How do we, how do we deal with this? It's not Jesus won't shrug his shoulders and say, well, I, I, don't, know that, I don't know where that comes from. No, he made everything that exists. There's nothing that you encounter in your life. There's no authority or power or, or thing that comes and that happens in your environment that is not there because Jesus gave origin or ability for that thing to exist. So there's nothing you can't turn to him to and say, how do I deal with this? He's the creator and he sustains us. He not only creates, but he's, because some people believe he created and then he sort of just sits at the edge of the universe watching us. And like a clock, we just unwind and he'll see where it happens. No, he's involved with us. He sustains us. In your situation right now, whatever pressure you're experiencing, you can turn to Jesus because he's the creator and sustainer. That's the first thing Paul says. The second thing that he tells us we have to dig deeper into is he is the resurrection. In Colossians 1 verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's first in everything, even first over, the de over death. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is life, and even death cannot inhibit his strength and his power. So when I experience death, death that comes against me. And remember, death exists in this world because of sin. Between creation and the, the final coming of the Lord Jesus and the final restoration of his kingdom, sin exists in this world. And because there's sin, there is death. But even the death that is a result of sin is under the mastery of Jesus. So when death comes against us, it's also not something that I can go, okay, Lord, how do I deal with this? And Jesus says, well, I haven't got anything to tell you because I don't know how to deal with it. No, Jesus conquered death. So if you're experiencing death, whether that's real mortal death in somebody close to you that's passed away, whether that's death in, of hope, whether that's death due to just the corruption of this world and the struggles that we have, whether that's death that we see in the social challenges, whatever death we're experiencing, we can turn to the fullness of Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you can help me. You can give me the understanding of how to deal with this situation. He is the resurrection.
And the third thing in is he is reconciliation. Colossians 1 verse 19 to 20. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Again, all the fullness of God. Not a portion, not some diluted bit, not a section. The fullness of God. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the, the eternal. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This tells us that in Christ, not only have we been reconciled with God, but we've also been reconciled with the creation. So while we're living in a world that is decaying and where there's death, we live in this world, not as part of that death in a sense, because we have been reconciled with Christ. I'm in right relationship with God through the blood of Jesus. But that also works in my life in a real way, in a practical way, and reconciles me with everything that God created. Through Christ, I can be reconciled with other people. So all these social shifts and changes that are place, taking place and the pressure that comes on, on relationships between people, right now, I can take all of that to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you have made reconciliation possible. I want to tell you, there's no reconciliation between human beings possible, whether that's over races, ethnicities, genders, age groups, whatever. It's not possible without Jesus. In Jesus, we need nothing else. We need nothing more than to put Jesus at the center. And from that place, reconciliation becomes possible because he is the reconciler. He's the prince of peace. He's the one that established peace between me and God, between me and other people, and even between me and the rest of creation. We, we, we may so easily feel right now that this planet's against us, that this planet is not a safe place. It's a hostile environment. And yes, there's truth to that because of sin and the decay and the brokenness and the death that this world is experiencing. But in Jesus, there's a reconciliation that you and I have with this planet. That we can live on this planet and live according to God's laws and principles and begin to live at peace and at harmony with this world around me. And it'll never be perfect because this world is in a state of under the influence of the enemy. But I can live within that. Under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I can have faith in the fullness of Christ. I can love because of the fullness of Christ. And I have hope for the future. So I want to ask you again. What is the pressure in your life? Where are you experiencing pressure? And I would like you to take a moment and to think about that at some point. Because sometimes it's easy to see, but sometimes it's much more subtle to pick up what some of the pressure points are. Where are you being pushed at the moment? And where are you spending your time to think, and what must I do in this area? How do I position myself? And those things you need to bring before the Lord, because if you're not careful, the enemy will subtly try and push you in a direction. And remember, one degree shifts. Doesn't look like a lot now, but down the road, it's a huge difference. And right now, the enemy is trying to put pressure on us to just make one degree little shifts in our lives that will eventually have had the consequence of being far off from where God wants us to be. So I don't want to respond to that. So as I wrap up, I want to say, dig deeper. Know Jesus and know him more. Have fuller, complete knowledge of who Jesus is. Know him deeper. Know that in Christ you are created and sustained. You were created by Jesus. No matter how you came to be on this planet, you were purposed and planned. God has a plan for your life. And no matter what happens in our environment, no matter what shifts the world's, are go the world's going through at the moment, 
coronavirus, economic crisis, social upheaval, it doesn't change the fact that you were created by God and that he has a purpose for you, that he has a plan for and he sustains you towards that plan and that purpose. And you can come to him from that knowledge. We're not running around frantically trying to figure out how to, to live life. We come to Jesus, our hope, our rest, our secure place. Secondly, know that in Christ you have conquered death. Death has no longer got the final word in your life, physically and in any other way, spiritually. You have conquered death. We will all die one day, but it's just a transition to the new life. That's the word of encouragement we have to each other. But also, death and decay cannot have the final word. If I continue to work in Christ and apply His truth, even situations that looks like it's dead, like there's no hope, can be resurrected because He is the resurrection. And this, uh, Corinthians 15 says, The same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives within me. You can become an agent of resurrection in this world. Where the enemy tries to bring death, you can bring life because of Jesus that is in you and that has made you complete. And then the last one is, know that in Christ you have been reconciled with God and creation. This, this world is not against you, no matter how it feels like it may be. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? You have been reconciled with God, and He is the ruler of creation. He established it, Jesus did in everything. He sustains it. He conquered death. And today He works in us and through us to bring about His will and to bring about restoration, to bring about Peace and, and harmony and, and, and life. Harmony in the scripture is not some passive thing. It's a very active, life-giving reality that we can all live in, which comes from being in, in, at peace with God. Therefore, we can be at peace with one another and with this creation. And we can live in a way that flourishes. Again, that famous verse from John 10.10. 10, but I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. And we've spoken about that. I want you to know these things so that you don't feel tempted that despite the pressure or that because of the pressure that you don't feel tempted to add something to say, yes, I have Jesus, but I need this in my life also to complete, to be complete. Whatever need you have, we have needs, physical, material, emotional needs. Take those needs to Jesus. Seek his will. Seek his ways. Practically learn to live in Christ, with those desires and needs. And you will see how those things will flourish in your life. Don't let anything draw you away. Don't let anything take you one degree off what the Lord has. Don't step into something right now because you're feeling pressure. Like the Colossians, it's an amazing people. Despite the pressure, we can flourish. We can thrive. We can have an excellency about our lives. And I pray that for you today. So I want to encourage you. Just take up time sometime this week. Think about where there's pressure in your life and take that to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul that you gave us such a gift to us, such a, a wise man that was so able to, to put down on paper your words to local communities, to, to real context of the time, but in a way that speaks across the ages and that we can draw from today. And I want to pray, Lord, for each of us as a, as a believer today, that wherever there's pressure in our lives, I pray, Lord, that the excellency of Christ, the majesty of Christ, the, the completeness, the fullness of Christ will become our deeper knowledge. 
and that's secure on that rock, that firm foundation, we would be able to deal with the, the pressures of this world. Not, not just to push them away, but to see transformation happen in our own lives and in the world around us. And we thank you, Lord, that that is possible because of what you did, Jesus, on the cross. That you died for us, you gave your, your life for us, but you rose. And today you live and you are the head of the church. And that we can be your body living and working on this earth for your purposes. And I thank you for that, Lord. Bless every person, be with them, strengthen them. In this week and in this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Please pay attention to the announcements that come at the end of the service. And also, if you'd like to connect with somebody because you need a word of prayer, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never said, I want to live my life for Jesus and in Jesus, contact us as it says on the screen right now and somebody will help you just to pray that prayer and begin that process and to become a child of God. Now, as Leah mentioned at the beginning of the service, there's something special happening today. We're going to celebrate Spring Day, true Hatfield style, and that means ice cream. So won't you get in your car right now and drive to the church premises and we would love to see you. Just wave at you, say hello, we miss you so much and we want to give you an ice cream. So if you're going to come, you can come right now and up until 12 o'clock we'll be there and we'll be ready to receive people. Please, as you come, drive up Corabay Avenue and you drive all the way up to the church premises. What you look out for when you come into the church premises is uh, C4G kids. Look out for Howie. He's going to be there. He wants to say hello to you and just give you something also. Then from Howie, you're going to ca carry on driving and then the pastors and volunteers will be there ready to give you ice cream and just say hello to you. And then we also have a station where you can drive past and if you need a pledge form for faith promise uh, uh, to fill in the card. I know many people said they would like to prefer to fill in the card. You can get a card and then hand it in right there today. Our pledge currently stands at 3.6 million rand already. That's amazing. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. But if for those that want to, you can fill in the pledge card also. And then you've driven through and you drive out the property and uh, it'll be so great to see you. So I'm heading over right now. Look forward to seeing you there. Music from heaven.